All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 88 of Conservative Roundup. Today, I'm very honored to be joined by Fatine Grisheshi. She is the host of the Fatine Show or Fatine TV. Well, thank you so much for being here, Fatine. It's awesome to have you. I look forward to this. Oh, I'm, I've been looking forward to this as well, and I'm just so proud of you, Aiden. This is, it's <laughs> awesome to talk to someone who's 16 years old, who's as sharp as you are, and as, as engaged as you are. So thank you. Great, thank you. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, my, my husband and I, we have been in nonprofit advocacy work, uh, gosh, for a couple decades now. I love Canada. Uh, my dad played NHL hockey. My uh, great grandparents were some of our nation's pioneers during their generation. My grandmother was born under a wagon in minus 40 degree weather. So <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I come from a hardcore lineage of mm -hmm. farmers and hockey players and, and pioneers. And I just, just love this nation from mm -hmm. the bottom of my heart. And it's an honor to do what we do in media. Great. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your show? Yeah, well, it's just Fateen TV. The only reason we called it that was because it was easy trademarking and uh, <laughs> free, you know, you get your name. Um, but secondly, we just wanted to talk about what we wanted to talk about. So it's mm -hmm. speaking to the issues, shaping the nation. And so obviously, Aiden, that, you know, changes from season to season. Mm -hmm. uh, we are just going, we're just about to break the tape on our 200th week of wow, broadcast. congratulations. Um, eight networks uh, 12 times a week and so we have a real loyal wow. following but yeah we're hitting issues from every angle you know obviously we're talking about fiscal issues the federal mm -hmm. debt uh, our economy uh, supply chains all that type of stuff um, on the fiscal side and also on the social side you know so we've been tracking with everything from whether it's the legalization of marijuana a couple years ago or mm -hmm. assisted suicide issues uh, the life issue always seems to be in there somewhere, poverty, mm -hmm. indigenous issues, you name it, and it's probably got an episode on our <laughs> website. <laughs> Great. Well, what kind of made you want to get into the show business, like commentary and I guess uh, and all these different policies that you discussed on your show, what kind of got you into, into doing this? Well, you know, it's interesting. A, a few years ago, I was, um, you know, more of a, a conference speaker type person, right? Like I would, mm -hmm. would travel and, you know, in a lot of different capacities, you know, and, and just um, share more at a grassroots level. And it was probably actually around 2017 when I was mm -hmm. having my second, just had my second baby and mm -hmm. just felt like the road life really was kind of blowing us out as a family. And so my <laughs> husband and I just... You know, we thought about it and mm -hmm. prayed about it and really felt, uh, honestly, we started feeling just a real sense of calling into mm -hmm. the broadcast area. I had uh, I had been on a lot of talk shows, you know, been a guest on a lot of talk shows, but I had never had an ambition to have my own. And we just mm -hmm. felt like it made sense for our family at that time. And we felt the, the pull in that direction. Mm -hmm. And so we launched in 2018 and then... COVID hit and <laughs> we had a TV show and mm -hmm. <laughs> we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have been on the road anyway, you know, mm -hmm. during COVID. So, um, yeah, so it kind of worked out, right? Yeah, it was great. Okay. All right. So I guess, uh, also like a lot of people, uh, and you're based out East as well, right? So kind of for our, for our viewers, so kind of where can they find your, your shows and your interviews? Yes, super easy. Just go to fateen.tv. And that's our hub website, but we're also on most of the platforms. Obviously, we're on YouTube, Facebook, and we're getting on all the other platforms as well right now. Uh, Rumble, BitChute, uh, all of them. So great. Just 
fine. Just Google us or maybe duck, duck, go us. Don't Google us. Duck, duck, go us. <laughs> You'll get more sure. accurate information. <laughs> Definitely. Duck, All right. So I guess it's been, I guess, 11 days now since the, since, since I guess September 20th results, we've seen another liberal minority. I think what the polls were kind of showing us, Fatima, was it going to be a minority conservative or liberal, but we kind of seeing we saw Justin Trudeau come back in. So can you kind of give us like a little bit of detail of kind of what happened, um, or kind of like a detailed, I guess, I kind of like a sentence or two maybe about uh, about what kind of what happened on the on the twentieth. Yeah, well, it was it was definitely a fascinating uh, election result. Obviously, the conservatives picked up a few seats right here in Atlantic Canada, mm-hmm. so I was watching that right because that's mm-hmm. my background here. Um, you know, lo- lost seats in the urban centers and lost. You know, I would say some of the best candidates um, out there mm-hmm. in Vancouver in the GVRD. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, I think the the analytics right now are that the I believe the Liberals are three up, Conservatives one down, and basically six hundred and ten million dollars spent for the same result. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we had, yeah. you know, going in. I think everybody knows that. And I think that's one of the real sore points in this is like everybody's like kind of what was the point of yeah. that? It was just that Trudeau wanted to take a shot at a majority, which he obviously Mm -hmm. failed at. So, you know, there's a lot of things that could be said about why the numbers um, shook down the way that they did, but I'll I'll Mm -hmm. let you lead the conversation here. (laughs) Well, definitely. I think, well, $600 million for a cabinet shuffle, right? Yeah, Yeah, we may not even get much of that. (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. I mean, like, the results were almost exactly the same as 2019's. But, I mean, also obviously, I guess the the loss in seats in the urban areas for Aaron O'Toole, like Edmonton, Vancouver, even the GTA, surprisingly. And and he picked up in, in, I guess, the more rural parts in in Atlantic Canada, right? So yeah. what what kind of you make I mean what makes you kind of like what, I mean what do you think about O'Toole losing his I guess his I guess his strongholds in the, in the GTA I mean they lost Markham Unionville um, they lost Leona Alice Lev's riding obviously Edmonton a couple Edmonton seats one Calgary seat a couple in Vancouver as you said a couple of uh, guests that you've had on your show in Vancouver so what kind of what are your thoughts Yeah well you know the numbers people that I hang out with basically <laughs> say that you know if 70% of the PPC vote would have transitioned to the CPC. So let's say, mm-hmm. hypothetically, the PPC didn't exist, and 70% of those people actually got out to vote, voted conservative because they wanted to vote for a, a winnable party on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you probably would have seen somewhere between 20 to 24 conservative members of parliament added to the caucus. Now, that is, if that's true, uh, that is a huge mm-hmm. punch in the gut because what it mm-hmm. shows is huge leak uh, on the right, mm-hmm. on the political spectrum, and also that, that that people are seeing the PPC as a viable option politically or minimally as a protest mm-hmm. vote. You know, I heard a lot of people saying, like, listen, I'm going to vote PPC just to make a statement because I'm so disappointed with how it feels like Aaron O'Toole has really abandoned the base on some of the key issues. You know, we, you could actually name a few issues. And this is, this mm-hmm. is one of the things that I've actually been hearing a lot, Aiden, in the last week, week and a half, is people are saying, like, we just couldn't, people who traditionally their whole lives had voted conservative were saying, we just couldn't stomach it. Number one, because we felt like our, our local candidate didn't reflect our views and values on whatever the issue was. Mm-hmm. And number two, because they felt like Aaron O'Toole had been elected to lead the conservative party and yet he was shifting that same party 
um, mm -hmm. liberal, basically, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, whether you're talking about the carbon tax, whether you're talking about the gun issue, whether you're talking about the uh, environmental policy at the convention, or whether you're talking about something like the life issue, where 82% mm -hmm. of our 82 members of the caucus, excuse me, voted in favor of Kathy Wagenthal's bill, the mm -hmm. majority of his caucus and the majority of his base going a completely di different direction than him. So basically, people were saying, this is what I've been hearing, like, like, do we want to vote for someone who's basically completely disregarding the values of the conservative base? And mm -hmm. by and large, the answer to that question across the board was no, often mm -hmm. enough to split that vote. And, um, you know, we know that this election was more winnable for the conservatives mm -hmm. than the 2019 federal election. So that's that is a hard that's a hard pill for the old tool team to swallow, yeah. and it's something that they're going to have to mm -hmm. reckon with here in the weeks ahead. I think. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, it was definitely a winnable election. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, our the the CPC's vote split. I mean, or not vote, sorry, votes, but the uh, percentage that people voted, the uh, popular vote, they won the popular votes by more than they did in 2019. I mean, and, and it's disappointing too, right? Because I mean, they lost. I mean, they lost some key key players, just, as you said, like like Tamara Jansen, Carrie Diotz. Um, it lost one or I mean, they lost Leona Alistair, which is a major. She was the former deputy leader of the Conservative Party. Uh, I mean, I mean, those are like a lot of tough losses. I mean, as you said, I mean, such as O'Toole switching on like the, the life issue, the carbon tax, the gun ban, like, like all of those things. Like a lot of people, I think that what I've what I've heard as well is that they were very disappointed to kind of hear that because because O'Toole went with such in like a, with so strong into leadership in in twenty twenty in twenty twenty. Sorry. And he kind of came out within the, like the coming months, kind of flip flopping on all those issues, and and also like another thing as well, another issue that has that is he wanted to add an extra thirty billion to to the deficits more more than Justin Trudeau. Yeah, that thing too. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a small thing. That I know, like, and that, like, and also like being asked, being asked about like that, like, like what fiscal conservatives think, like, like Pierre Paul and others, right? And it's kind of his answer is kind of what his answer was like. Well, there's a costly plan that might work, it might not. We don't know. We'll kind of see, right? Yeah, yeah, and so all of these things factor in, right? Because people have a political intuition, and they they want to know that they can trust the leader that they're voting for to actually do what they say that they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, and again, I, I'm just relaying what I've been hearing here in the many mm -hmm. debriefs I've been a part of here <laughs> in the last week and a half, that people just feel like they, they lost trust in O'Toole through mm -hmm. this whole process because they thought they were electing uh, a true blue conservative. And, you know, when <laughs> yeah. we actually got to the finish line at uh, on September the 20th, they felt like there was something very mm -hmm. different. And then that invokes the question of, okay, well then, what's it going to be on September 21st if if he's in power like who knows right it's yeah. like it's the game of predicting a, a chameleon right and so mm -hmm. uh people don't have much of a stomach for that at least with Justin Trudeau you know what you're gonna get you know, mm -hmm. you know you're gonna get an aggressive ideological uh ideologically driven agenda politically you know mm -hmm. that you're gonna get massive deficits at least you for the most part know the trajectory that you're on I think people just felt really insecure mm -hmm. with who exactly Aaron O'Toole was. Now, mm -hmm. I want to say this. I think Aaron O'Toole is very likable. I, I think, you know, mm -hmm. he's a great guy. Much respect for him and Rebecca mm -hmm. and anyone who puts their name forward at that level. It mm -hmm. is a brutal, brutal thing to put yeah. your, yourself and your family through to run for political office. I know a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't mean any of these things personally. 
but it's just this is feedback that I'm hearing about for people want to know that the person they're voting for is the person that they're voting mm -hmm. for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, Aaron's my MP out here because I live, I live here in the, in the Durham riding. So we got like a lot of people and I, I think a lot, he did increase his vote share in, 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 uh, on last, uh, no, two weeks ago, sorry, last, uh, two Mondays ago. And, uh, you know, like a lot of, a lot of, like a lot of people were, were really disappointed. I mean, it's starting to kind of creep through or creep through the cracks right now as well. I mean, even the conservative national counselor, he started a petition to, to have Aaron O'Toole removed, which was, I believe at 5,000 close to anyway, within, within the last couple of days as well. I mean, how do you kind of think that the yeah, that's a question, Aiden, you, sure. maybe you can catch me up on this. Is that, um, do we know that those are all conservative members or are those those, I believe they were going to cross-reference it. Part of, the, part of the CPC Constitution is that the National Council will have to review it, and then they have to cross-reference those names from the, 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 I guess, the membership database. So I guess so. I guess that will, it kind of depends on how the signatures will go, and then they'll cross-reference it from there as well. I mean, it's definitely interesting to see, interesting to see because in the, I believe it's next week that the, the CPC kind of caucus will kind of meet one last time for some members or the very first time for others. And kind of, I think it'll be interesting to see how they all proceed. How do you kind of think that they will kind of go after from this defeat in the, within the following weeks? Yeah, well, I think everybody's really digesting right now. People are people are tired, obviously. <laughs> they're, they're tired uh -huh. of losing, but they're also just tired because they just came yeah. out of a campaign. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, in a situation like this, this is a pretty easy read. You're going to have people that are in various camps. You're going to have people that are you know, angry that the Conservatives lost, angry mm. that shifting the party to the left um, yeah. didn't work politically, angry that uh, for, for the, the outcome with the PPC mm. vote split, and, and they're going to want to, you know, start a revolution for <laughs> sure, like, as is already uh -huh. indicated by this petition yep. that was started by the National Council. And then there are going to be those that are just like, hey, give me a year. <laughs> give me a breather. Like, uh -huh. can I just hug my wife for the weekend or yeah. hug my husband for the weekend? You know, there's going to be people that just want to regroup, replenish, mm -hmm. stabilize their, at their constituency level and just, um, you know, figure things out, let the dust settle. Mm -hmm. And then there's then there's the brand new MPs that it's like it's like yeah. Christmas time for them. Yeah. The first time <laughs> going to Ottawa, the mm -hmm. last thing they want to do is, is boot the boot the uh, leader at this mm. point because they're just excited about figuring out how to <laughs> become a member of parliament. So yeah. I, I think that meeting is going to have a real mix. The mm -hmm. question, the real question is, is what vibe is going to dominate? Mm -hmm. um, and probably it will be the ride it out vibe, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, we'll see in time once people replenish their strength, mm -hmm. uh, get a little bit of a rest, you know, where people come out on the other side is, is going to be interesting to watch. Definitely. Well, and it's definitely interesting as well, right? Because I mean, they, I mean, they did lose some key players, like as you said, like also like a key member of that was Alice Wong, a former cabinet minister under, under the Harper cabinet, which everyone thought was a was a CPC stronghold over in Richmond Center. And it's so interesting. I mean, even even as the caucus is going to meet next week, I mean, Tom Kimmich, the uh, the caucus chair, he he announced that he's not going to be seeking a second term as well. And, and there's all these different key people that are kind of like we kind of get that mixed message, right? Yeah, we'll kind of we'll see what happens, or yeah, I already I, or I've already made up my mind, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, and also, you know, people are always measured in these moments too. They're trying to make sure that they spend their political capital wisely. <laughs> so, you know, mm -hmm. Aiden, the only thing I don't like about politics is politics. I just want to mm -hmm. say that. <laughs> oh, I know, I, I know, people, I know what you mean. I love the good ideas. I love the building a better Canada, but it's like. There is this, <laughs> Mm -hmm. political thing 
too yeah. that everybody is navigating definitely right now. also another another thing to highlight was was o'toole's wins over in atlantic canada as well right i mean they picked up i believe two in nova scotia one in Luf, one in newfoundland i mean how do you kind of think that they o'toole kind of picked up in atlantic canada you know, his wife is from out here, mm-hmm. so that might have scored him some points. He, he did have several trips out here as well, mm-hmm. uh, though they were they were definitely lower profile, like the trips that he had here in the St. John area. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of us heard about it after the fact, right? So there, he mm-hmm. definitely wasn't making a big splash, but uh, but he did make an effort mm-hmm. to to make it out here. But I, one thing that I thought was interesting it'll be it'll be intriguing to watch the new mm-hmm. members of parliament and who they are and how they bloom and blossom. But mm-hmm. it was interesting to me that the the ones that really punched out strong with huge uh, win margins, you know, Richard Bragdon, mm-hmm. Rob Moore. Um, John Williamson, like these guys are strong mm-hmm. uh, blue conservatives. They are fiscally conservative, but they're also social conservative. If you yeah. look at their voting records, and I think that says something that mm-hmm. the ones that are increasing their margins, um, they're the family guys. Yeah, they're the family guys that care care about family, freedom, fiscal stewardship, faith, like the stock mm-hmm. uh, uh, conservative principles that. Those guys, uh, you know, were really the winners on on the twentieth. I, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I, I think that's a, actually a really good point, Fatine. I mean, like a lot of people. I also, I want to get your take on this. Is a lot of people are vying for for Andrea Johnson over in Fredericton, over over Jenna Cowan, right? All the all the anti-Semitic tweets. I mean, and there's a lot of problems with with kind of surrounding her and the with her time in the Green Party, right? How do you kind of think that that Fredericton played out the the way it did? You know what? I don't have much input on that one. I would love to hear your thoughts. Can I throw it back to you? No, no, I'd love to. Yeah, no. I well, it was actually really interesting, right? Because coming up like the weeks before the next election was even announced, it was kind of like a three-way race between the Greens, the CPC, and the Liberals. And that was really inter- interesting to me, right? Because you, you'd kind of think that the, all those Green voters that voted for Jenna Catwin in 2019 would vote for her liberal-wise, which I guess some did. You know, and even looking like leading up, watching all the candidates, Jenna Catwin, Andrew Johnson, and the other NDP and, and Green candidates, I was really shocked to see that Andrew. I mean, it was really good to see the Andrew Andrew Johnson fell within like the the I guess the couple percentage of the, of a margin, right? As well, so I'm I was really shocked to see what happened there. I I kind of thought. It, I'm going to have to kind of go with kind of what you said, like on the life issues, the carbon tax, the gun ban, like all, like all those things, like a lot of people, when they kind of go into election, I mean, this election was heavily based on um, economics as well, leading out of the COVID recovery, kind of coming out of, of COVID altogether. And like a lot of people, they want to see some strong fiscal policies, which, uh, which I guess reflected back on, on Andrew Johnson from Aaron O'Toole, right? Yeah, yeah, that could be. And I, I actually don't know what the PPC margin was uh, in that race. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to look mm-hmm. at the numbers. And also, as well, like a lot of, like even uh, Candace Malcolm or even Andrew Lawson, I, I, I suppose that you kind of know who they are over to North, right? I, even uh, Candace has been doing a couple pieces on, on the PPC back on uh, two Mondays ago, kind of considering what their vote split or I guess vote percentage would be. If, if they kind of added that. But I, I think a fair point that she makes is not like every single PPC voter is going to vote conservative if they're if they were happy or not with Aaron O'Toole, right? Which I think I think that's a very fair point, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think most of the number crunchers are taking basically a 70% transition mm-hmm. of 70% or even 50% <laughs> a transition from the mm-hmm. PPC to the CPC in various mm-hmm. ridings. Uh, it still would have been... It, 
significant addition mm-hmm. to the caucus. For and it was sure. also interesting, right? Because I mean, you, you look at like 338, for example, and you saw so many like all the upper GTA ranks, like Richmond Hill, King Vaughn, which would which was a CPC win with with Anna Roberts over up there. It was very, it was very, I guess, kind of shocking, right? Because you, I mean, when we look at over in Boast, for example, Maxine Bernie's riding. I mean, they literally called his riding after like, like thirty minutes, right? I mean, see, I mean, CBC called the election like halfway through polls were even done closing, right? And that was so interesting to see too. Is that kind of how they yeah. could predict that? Like even like like halfway through the polls were, were open. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently, there's math in these predictions, right? And so they see a certain trajectory. They, mm-hmm. you know, but they're always kind of racing, right? Like the, all oh. the pundits are like whoever whoever calls mm-hmm. it first. It's almost like they get a little high five if they're the ones yeah. to call it first. So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I don't think all of that is shenanigans. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I mean. It was like it was really shocking to me, right? Because it was like it was really like like maybe an hour or two in, it was like in a, like a, like immediately it was like liberal minority, liberal minority. Like we're gonna have like another liberal government, and I, 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 I'm like shocked. I'm like and I was frozen. I'm like like where is this coming from? Like like what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like it was like we're like we're just getting into this. Like how is this happening already? And and we yeah. kind of like we kind of had like that that thought or mentality, right? Is we kind of thought that we we keep like hold on to the writings that we had. But we kind of see the toss-ups go towards the liberals, but they end up going towards the conservatives. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's I was really, and I was actually very fascinated to see those urban seats go red, because like, like, and you think kind of with O'Toole's moderate platform that they kind of swing a couple urban voters, but I guess, I guess that kind of bounced back into his into his face, right? Yeah, and again, I think it goes back to that PPC. Like people um, are, are generally tired of of the lockdowns you know there is a huge divide in our nation right now and you know you've heard it said many times throughout this campaign and at the end of it that canadians are more divided on Mm -hmm. on some of these essential um items such as Mm -hmm. the pandemic management than Mm -hmm. than ever before and that justin trudeau actually drove that as a wedge right Mm -hmm. um and so you know I, i think there is a lot of pandemic fatigue people want their lives back and there's a a division on how to get from here to there. Some, mm-hmm. you know, there's the lockdown mm-hmm. camp and then there's the give me back my life camp. So <laughs> I think uh-huh. they lost a lot of votes to the give me back my life camp, mm-hmm. in all honesty. I, going into the going into the next session on the 10th, I believe, in uh, next week, actually, how do you, do you kind of want to have like a small like recap of how do you think the next session will go? I mean, personally, I'd probably think another ethics scandal, more spending, a couple more liberal, <laughs> a couple more liberal ethics scandals. Yeah, wow. And it's so kind of hard to think. You, I mean, looking at like between 20, 2019 and 2021, you kind of like, I mean, you had the weed charity and there's the like the military scandal. And you kind of think like, like, what's going to happen this time? Like, what's going to come already? Like, how, like, what's going to happen in the parliament? Yeah, you know, time will tell. But obviously, mm-hmm. there's there's been a track record of ethics breaches, like for the last five, six years here. So why would Canadians mm-hmm. expect anything different when we haven't mm-hmm. seen a humble response mm-hmm. um, from our prime minister up until this point? Mm-hmm. We've seen very defensive responses. We've seen mm-hmm. cabinet ministers canceled and ousted. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm really proud of Jody Wilson-Raybould actually yeah. with her book and uh, with going on CTV the night of the election. I thought that was, it was very, mm-hmm. very 
very good of yep. her to to do that and to to continue to have the fortitude to speak strength to power mm-hmm. and to show up in these critical moments, not just be canceled, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it'll it'll be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some more stuff uncovered given given the tonality mm-hmm. of how we've seen this government respond. Now um, that would grieve my heart. That would not be something I would <laughs> celebrate over. I, mm-hmm. you know, it's just we we need. We need to elect leaders that that value integrity, that care about integrity. Mm-hmm. And personally, I would love to see a piece of legislation passed um, that holds politicians to their mm-hmm. feet to the fire when it comes to election promises. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. And I think if their policy platform, if the liberal policy platform is any indication of what they're actually going mm-hmm. to do, I think we can expect some very aggressive mm-hmm social policy here in the next few months probably fast and furious and you know sometimes i think people look at things like okay do we really need to do we really need to be revoking charitable status of crisis Mm -hmm. pregnancy centers right now (laughs) when we're in the midst of a pandemic like isn't there other are there other things that we can and should be focusing on Mm -hmm. um i think the answer to that is yes there are other things we we can and should be focusing Mm -hmm. on like getting clean water onto first nations reserves which was Mm -hmm. an election promise way back when that still hasn't been fulfilled so my hope is that maybe some of these older election promises that were actually good ones will start Mm -hmm. to be fulfilled um you know and my my hope is that they they finish the previous job before they start to mow out fast and Mm -hmm. furious on um, (laughs) ideologically Mm -hmm. based platforms that have nothing to do with getting the economy going again Mm -hmm. or caring for canadians with Mm -hmm. their very eminent needs right now in the midst of a pandemic And also, also speaking about Indigenous issues as well, it's kind of interesting because yesterday was the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We saw kind of Justin Trudeau surfing over in Tofino instead of actually going out with like like with other MPs, going in with with like events or even or even um, going out morning morning people, right? And that's I mean that's the leadership that we're gonna get from him as well. I also I also want to get your take on another thing. It was the uh, was Selena Caesar Chavans over in the previous Whippy MP kind of endorsing the Conservative candidate. Well, kind of what do you what do you think about that? Well, I think it speaks volumes. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you gonna say? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she can't even support the party, and and who knows about the candidate? Again, I I don't have intel on who the individual candidate was and what her relationship was to all of the candidates. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's one of two reasons you go a certain directions, either because of the candidate or because of the party, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that she could not support the Liberal Party this time around speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. And I also, it, it, it is a uh, evidence of a mounting movement of courageous women mm-hmm. being raised up politically uh, that are not a part of the old boys club, that are going to be honest and i think honesty probably scares a lot of people and mm-hmm. uh the more of them that come forward you know you maybe you can cancel a jody wilson rabel though that's a hard one to cancel mm-hmm. uh, but can you really cancel like mm-hmm. when there's three four five six seven uh, how many ever more down the line and if you want to uh, add into that the the sex scandals within our military mm-hmm. etc um you know there's going to be a tipping point here at some point mm-hmm. uh where this begins to shift the culture as long as these strong women keep their courage on and so mm-hmm. i applaud them for doing that i think there's a way that you can take a stand uh against power or, or speak truth to power and do it mm-hmm. in a way that's both classy and respectful mm-hmm. and you know kudos to jody wilson rabel first out of the gate um mm-hmm. modeling just that and 
you know, we'll probably see more of mm -hmm. the same in, in the, in the days ahead and not just directed at the liberal party. I think mm -hmm. that that's something that could, um, that every party could probably use a good dose of. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's where Anna Mae was actually so refreshing yeah. on the debate night, you know, honestly, <laughs> yeah. high five to her for the, that one. It was interesting actually bringing that up. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see how her, she, how her and, and Blanchett would kind of go back and forth, right? I mean, the, I mean, the English debater kind of it was kind of it was enemy Paul Jagmeet Singh and Aaron Tool plus Blanchett against Justin, and then and then it would be enemy Paul versus versus Blanchett, right? Yeah, my, my take on that is she was just dry, trying to drive home a point of like, hey, let's all work together. Let's be teachable. Mm -hmm. You know, that was kind of her theme throughout the whole night, which I think politicians or I think Canadians, excuse me, appreciate. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first started cutting my teeth on political advocacy <laughs> and I would hear over and over and over people say the thing that we you know, really don't like about the scene in Ottawa is just mm -hmm. the divisiveness and how they're always fighting and they're always, you know, yeah. insulting each other. Like, why can't they just kind of hug and make up and get <laughs> some good work done? And basically, mm -hmm. that's what anime was saying that night is, you know, mm -hmm. listen, guys, we need to start to work together mm -hmm. on key issues. And obviously her issue being um, the important issue of the environment. Mm -hmm. Well, the factual, actually, before we end off, why don't we, why don't we talk about anime Paul for a couple for a couple minutes here? What is kind of your take on her leadership now that she's announced that she's that she's stepping down? Oh, one thing. This is just my, me. This is just mm -hmm. faking. This isn't a political analyst uh, sort of response. But you know, one thing that I personally really appreciated about Anna Paul is her authenticity. I think she mm -hmm. was very authentic. Um, you know, probably a little too authentic for some <laughs> uh, people's liking within her party. She definitely mm -hmm. wore some of her experiences on her sleeve and in a way that was very transparent at moments. Um, if, if, you know, she, the lines were so big that you could <laughs> easily read between them, right, on mm -hmm. a lot of her statements. So I, I think a lot of Canadians found that refreshing. I think the political institution found that a little bit, uh, they got skirmish over that. Um, I appreciated it. And, um, you know, and I think one thing that she pointed out if I could say this without her actually saying this, is the need for a little bit more kindness yeah. in politics, right? Like she talked about the brutality and how it was like walking on a broken glass, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think we all need to learn to be a little bit kinder to people that put their name out there, whether we agree with them or not ideologically. We mm -hmm. need to learn to be uh, speak the truth in love. And, um, and I, I think her experience, for me at least, highlighted that mm -hmm. you know i really love that sentiment um it's definitely interesting as as well right? i mean there, like a, there's a lot of kind of like back and forth like bickering between like the green mps plus anime paul um i was actually really i i kind of expected her to step down at one point or another because i mean their caucus was kind of pressuring her especially with the loss of the third of the caucus back um in early 2021 it's, I guess it's just like one one of those things, right? Where you kind of you kind of prepare for the worst, but kind of expect the best with the, with the with I guess with the Greens. You know, I was really impressed because I mean, personally, how I think Anime Paul, I think she had a lot of common sense. Obviously, with the carbon, she didn't want a carbon tax, she didn't want mandates, which I I think was all about common sense between just me. But um, I think I got, I don't think that really came across so great with her party. I think she gained she gained a lot of respect among conservatives and and PPCers. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's just my take on it, but also I'll ask you a couple of last questions here. And I'm going to actually shut off my notifications because I think those are all my bongs coming through there. <laughs> so sorry about that's that. That's okay. No, I, so, uh, so we'll switch back to your show quickly. So 
coming in the following weeks, can you kind of give us a couple hints? You might a couple guests, a couple shows, topics coming up. Oh yeah, we just finished editing a show on jabs for jobs. So okay. the whole thing of the medical mandate and people being threatened with job loss because mm-hmm. of uh, not wanting to be vaccinated. So we'll see whether the networks mm-hmm. air this one or not. <laughs> not. We'll see. Uh-huh. We'll see whether YouTube uh, allows it to be posted because I know YouTube is just literally yeah. like this week clamped down on anything related to that. But you know, it, it really got my heart, Aiden, just hearing uh, different stories of people that that have served their whole life in the medical community and the educational sector and even in the private sector that we're saying like literally I have to choose between a, a medical um, irreversible medical injection uh, that I personally feel uncomfortable with for whatever reason you know mm-hmm. I I yeah. always try to believe the best you know love believes the best and so if somebody mm-hmm. if somebody is choosing not to get vaccinated at this point um, they have a reason. They've thought about it deeply because there's a cost, right? Mm-hmm. There's a high social cost mm-hmm. to that choice at this point. So yeah, so we're putting a show out there, just um, sharing some of the the stories around that. And there mm-hmm. are actually, um, what is it, 3,500 uh, doctors in Alberta that have just uh, written a letter to AHS. Wow. Um, and so it, it's not small potatoes. It's not just one or two people. Like if you had 3,500 medical professionals that all of a sudden said we're not showing up to work on monday that would be absolutely that would implode the healthcare yeah. system right so these are mm-hmm. these are not small things so we're doing that one and what's that oh and then after that i got jonathan van Marin coming awesome. up it's gonna be a lot of fun i really like him he's kind of like a he's like a mini younger version of jordan <laughs> peterson <laughs> talks a lot faster that's, that's what i would say oh my so i'm excited about that mm-hmm. but those, actually those are the only two shows that we have uh filmed right now mm-hmm. that we have not yet aired and mm-hmm. uh you know, we should have you on, Aiden. I would love to have you. I'd love to. That'd be that'd be Politics so awesome. And the next generation and get Eli mm-hmm. on with you. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd love that person. Yeah, I look forward to that someday. Well, I it was so great to to have you on here. I I really look forward to to our future interactions and to to see what uh, what your show comes up with. I, I, I know I started off by saying this, Aiden, but I am just so proud of you to see somebody who's 16 years old that's as articulate as you are, taking things by the horns. The fact that you're doing this podcast is just amazing. And I just want to say, keep it up. If if you could just multiply yourself by about 10,000, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Canada would yeah. be in a great position in, uh, in within a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Aiden, for what you do. Thank you. And that was Fateen Griseshi, the host of The Fateen Show. All the links to her work and show will be in the description. If you like this interview, please make sure to like and subscribe and to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup. <laughs>